I think it'd be amazing. Make a uh, opera like, and I'm saying it's like have a film, a filmed opera. And I'm saying like this is like a like a fucking Spielberg joint. Yes. You, there's like millions upon millions of like the budget for this thing is huge. And, you know, they've spared no expense on the effects, the lighting, the costumes, the sets, the everything. Everything about this is Oscar caliber. And it's this opera about the Greek gods. And it's also full pornographic, hardcore pornographic. Right. Take the lowest art form uh, and the, high, the highest culture yeah. and the lowest culture and just bam. Welcome, welcome, welcome nerds and nerdettes, welcome obscurials of all shapes and flavors. You're listening to the, the Nerd, Nerd Obscurial Podcast. Podcast. Hi, I'm Eric. And the Oklahoma kid drinks and knows things. Nice, nice. Got to, you have to, obligatory. Yeah, so this is a topic, so we're kind of doing, I don't know how these things are released, Oklahoma. Well, so the question is, are we are we going to release this as an odyssey, calling it an odyssey, or is this going to be a winter sode? Well, no, I would say, I, the reason I was saying that, and I mean, I think it's kind of a nicknamey kind of thing, but I don't think it's going to be its own category the way that uh, Friends of Sode and other stuff are. I think it could just be an odyssey. Odyssey, but it's got a little bit of But the question would be, is that would this air after... The last one we recorded last uh, week, last session, because... I assume so, yes. Last session, if everything goes chronologically how we record, we were talking about soups. We were talking about soups, yes. That's most likely what you're going to have heard last. And uh, I had a whole set... Well, now it will be. So. I had a whole set of uh, topics to do wintry kind of theme stuff. That's why the debate of the winter sode. Uh, soups turned out to be a doozy. And like, uh, I did not expect it to get as long and heated and intricate as we made it. Yeah, the, the nerdament of champion nerds about soup became I thought it uh, was going to be like involved. a quick lightning round, like what we do with the questions or something. But that bitch went long. You so, really had a soft spot for some soups. I, I do. I, I will not lie to you. I've read your fanfic. The erotic fanfic. Yes, that's yeah. that's implied. Right. Okay. Almost all the better that it ended up in last episode. Now we're going to kind of focus on my other two wintry kind of topics. We're going to talk about wintry music, 
later. But one uh, universe of nerdum that was in our mind on the previous iteration of the pod, mm-hmm. but uh, we've never really done too much with on this iteration, is about Game of Thrones. Yes. So our first segment here is going to be called, well, I don't know if we have Do you have like a clever name for it? I have a really bad name for it. Oh, let's hear it then. Winter is coming all over your face. <laughs> I'm hoping that uh, Oklahoma will use the good discretion to cat meow that out. Uh, we'll we'll work something better out in post. Now we are talking about the. This is going to be about the show though, because I haven't read the books. I've only watched right. the show. Okay, I will say that my knowledge is limited to the show, the rabbit holes on Wiki that mm-hmm. has book content, but none of the character, none of the things I'm explicitly talking about will be directly affected by show or book. It's all really show stuff. Yeah. And show references oh but the the idea the conceit here is that you know winter is coming you're in westeros and you get to pick seven people before winter is coming to be you know part of your crew hold up up in your castle hold up in your castle for winter yeah right um it's a a fantasy draft pun intended but it's a fantasy draft exactly so we don't come for with our list how to run your castle leading into winter so if just because i know neither of us are going to pick her if Oklahoma picked Cersei. Cersei's off the board. I am curious, actually, if you had this thought and dimension with it, because I kind of did. Because sometimes picking someone like Cersei mm-hmm. actually be kind of appealing because she's such a like bad character. It's kind of fun. And then that's a whole other thought I had. But anyways, I did have under my mind of the people I'm picking, like, am I going to get some oil and water people? Because if like these two can't stand in each other or constantly trying to kill each other, like you're, you're in the same castle them you're dealing with these consequences you might be the motherfucker eating the soup with the poison not you know the person she was trying or he or she was trying to get well and plus you just you, dissension in the ranks it's gonna fuck up your you're trying to make sure everyone we don't want bad this. vibes huh we don't want bad vibes exactly if things go really quick with this then i have an alternate path we can take and i was thinking about this with something else i think but it would mm-hmm. fit perfectly with this the jean paul Sartre no exit it's this play he wrote with a hell is the other the idea that you know you don't need to have giant demons torturing you with flaming you know enemas just get three people in a who room fucking who hate each other drive each other and make fucking them, nuts and make them stay in there for eternity and they will fucking hate it we could maybe do a hell is the other thing as with well do a, do a draft of hell is the other or maybe come to a consensus or something you know what i mean like that's that's also a sure. fun game now we should also point out now or uh, if we're as long as we're talking about the rules of this this would be also independent though of the events necessarily of the show you're getting them at peak them right so because there's a lot of deaths in this show and you gotta fucking so account not, for that it's not where know? everything stands at the end of the show right it's, it's their storyline so obviously if they're dead their storyline ends you're getting them not at the trial of the their storyline and their being you're getting them at the, the peak so like I think the example you when you were explaining it to me earlier if you were to pick Jamie you would get Jamie two hands you're not getting gold hand yeah. Jamie you're getting well fully functioning. I think there's uh, Jamie there's Jamie. this part though too is that you get to pick the snapshot of them oh so if you and wanted you could gold have hand, the argument that gold hand the person he becomes later on in the show uh-huh. is actually the Jamie you want okay because so the little prick who fucking cut up Ned Stark I don't know if that's the guy I want right you know you could, but you, you so you could opt to pick gold gold hand Jamie exactly if you wanted to okay you get to choose the snapshot of the character in okay. their in their now their I have two line. I have two last questions one dragons 
separate choices oh dragons do they count not, as do they count as like if you pick daenerys you get the dragons or do you have to select the dragons as a do you select the dragons or would you have like could i pick one dragon and then you could be like i'm picking that other dragon and then i'm like i'm picking the dead dragon okay spoiler this, alert spoiler alert right. <laughs> if you didn't if you didn't assume that coming in okay don't get too big in your britches there oklahoma you just finished i the just show finished it tonight like yes. a few hours ago <laughs> I, I kept putting it off just so that off. i wouldn't spoil anything exactly. for you right now well, because it took so long because we didn't have, at the time it came out, we didn't have HBO Max or Go or whatever right. yet. We didn't have the, the the streaming channel of HBO. So we were waiting for it to come out on actual DVD before to see that final season. And by the time it actually did, so much time had gone by, I couldn't remember. Like, I'm like, wait, who the fuck died? Who was left? So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go back and watch. I'm going to binge watch the whole damn thing. And I kept putting that off and putting that off. And then you brought up this thing. And I'm like, oh, shit, now I got to do it. And I was going to try and do it all this week. And my wife's like, you're never going to be able to do it. Yeah. I got through like two episodes of the first season. And then I'm like, nope, I got to just read the Wikipedia for yeah. all the seasons up to the last one. Cause I did watch them just, it'd been so long. So I did that. I read, I did the Wikipedia dive and then binge watched the last season, all six episodes today before coming over here. Daenerys though. This is, this will be what I, well, this will be my judgment on Daenerys. If you pick Bran, you still get him as a wark. Like that's just part of his special ability. That's yeah, you, part of the thing that really makes three, his you can three identity. Raven. Brand. Then Daenerys is the dragon master. Daenerys so she, is the so dragon dragons queen. come That's, with her. There, but also you got to think of you got to house those dragons. Oh yeah, no, I wasn't gonna pick the dragons. I was just right. curious where they stand. But yeah, no, the dragons. That's like uh, that's a real drain it, on your resources, man. Really, what, which brings up my next question. But though. it is something like it would be badass. To have it would dragons. be badass to have dragons. And also, there is a question that was never really resolved in the show itself. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird thing with time and winters, mm -hmm. and it's always the White Walkers coming out during the winter yes right so this winter stopped is there no more winter i think do the winters predate the white walkers i believe the doesn't matter just an unanswered question unanswered which is question curious. about that uh but i was gonna ask that is the last factor in here that needs to be known are white walkers a threat or are we post white walker because if, if white walkers are a threat 100 i'm picking those fucking dragons <laughs> but if white walkers are off the table that changes that that makes it a whole different thing and you're thinking about more about like how do you how prep about your this? castle let's, for winter? Let's play the first game with them not being a factor. And it's just all personality based. This is all just, hey, we don't have to survive with each other. We just have to survive each other. You know what I mean? Right. It's a normal, normal winter. Yeah. We got to, I got to pick a crew to help me settle in for the long haul. That's going to make things go smoothly. Right. Yeah. And I don't know if it's explicitly made clear in the show. And I haven't personally read the books either. So I'm not going to go by a point of authority here, but I'm pretty sure if I understand the lore correctly, winters lasted years. Yes. They said that in the show. Did they say that in show too uh, yeah and they said they said that the summer uh, they said it, they were expecting it to be a really long winter because the, the summer, summer had been so, had long. Been so long like right. uh, that literally they mentioned at one point the last winter ended before bran was born right and i don't know if it was before john or or rob were born but they specifically mentioned bran was born after winter ended and it had been summer since i think there needs to be if even when white walkers are taken off the table mm -hmm. i think there needs to be though that there's still bumps in the 
night. There's yes. still scary shit. But I mean, with it, if it's White Walkers and if it's just the normal shit you've got to deal with living in this world, that's a, that's a whole different. But White Walkers are like a whole nother level. That's like so. Let's let's table the White Walkers thing. But I think that could be a fun exercise. I'm curious on this. The soup surprised me on how long it lasted, and I'm wondering if I'm going to get the opposite effect here, and if this is actually going to be like short, you know? But well, uh, our we'll playlist see. sections tend to go long. Yeah, but that was going to be a, a, a waylay into where the other segment on this episode is going to be a winter playlist. And I'm curious, Oklahoma, if you have any questions on that before we get into it, because I no, tried I already, to specify like no holiday music. I made mine. You you said you actually mentioned you like that, that we've kind of taken different approaches to them. Ooh, rain's coming down. Winter is coming. All over your face. Directed by Luke Warm. Don't drag Luke Warm into this. I'm going to get someone to do this project. Luke Warm is first on my list. I'll tell you that much. Oh, oh well, yeah. Obviously, Jim. Luke Warm would be first on your list. It's does Luke Warm be like, I got better projects on the table, you know? I'm saying I can get them. I'm just he, saying. He, he, which he does. I mean, that's like saying if you get to make it, if you're producing a movie and they're like, all right, who's your first choice for director? You're going to be like, yeah, fucking Spielberg or fucking, you know, Martin Scorsese or someone. But it's like, is Martin Scorsese going to say yes to your project? That's always the question. That's another fun exercise, though. Yeah. Let's uh, put a pin in that put one. Put a pin in that one. No, you, you, you specified, uh, you said you were interested to see the different way that I take it. Um, in terms of the interpretation, the main thing was just, like you said, no holiday. It's not a Christmas playlist. It's not a holiday thing. It's about winter, winter. This is about like the feel, it's about January. Also, it would be like songs that can both be about winter or can um, encompass winter for you. Is the feeling of winter something just like on a winter day, if I'm like walking down the street, this makes me feel more attuned to the season. Well, yeah, that was just my interpretation though. Maybe yeah. maybe you go a different way. Uh, I it. mean, do you want spoilers? No, let's save it for, for right, that then. section. So uh, that's the map for this autisode. I guess let's uh, put some clam chowder. Grand champion grand clam champion chowder of soup. soups on. Welcome back to the Draft Day Special. I'm Dragon Hartley. With me as always, Grand Maester Abe of Vagasian. And we're ready for our draft picks. We decided the easiest way would just be to flip a coin to see who goes first. So, you get first pick. Everything's kind of predicated on my first pick, because I know it's going to be... I'm thinking it's going to be first on the board for everyone. But I feel like I'm giving you a friend of the show. I'm going to give you Arya if you give me Tyrion. It was a tough call who to go with. Yeah. Who to go with. But I gotta have Tyrion. I yeah. mean, I'm just too much of a booze hound. He just is so awesome and fucking yeah. smart and cool. He just has the best lines. Um, like I said, he's <laughs> kind of the hero of the whole thing when you get down to it, man. His uh, battle speech is one of the like funniest, rousing, fucking cool, badass thing ever, yeah. you know? Those are strong men to throw a ball. Let's kill them. Just after all this big, long thing, just yeah. that line hits so 
hard. It was so fucking funny and yet fucking badass and would get you hyped up. And he had a bunch. He, I mean, he just had all the best moments, all the best yeah. lines. Like, yeah. Gotta be number one for me. If I'm spending a winter in a castle, I, Tyrion, Tyrion is my boy. Solid choice. It was, it was, I, I couldn't decide which way I was going to go. So did you have Tyrion in your number one slot? That's a real question. Like, it was, that was a real back and forth for me. I wasn't as sure what I was going to do yet in terms of that or Arya. I'm kind of relieved a little bit that you got first choice so that decision was made That's for so me. That's so funny. So, so now I can safely say if We, we know that table, it would probably be second on my list too. Or it would be like if you grabbed Tyrion first, I would have to steal Arya. Arya, yeah. I knew those were going to be the first. I was wondering about late fucking trades. <laughs> like late trades. Like we get around oh, like oh. six or seven and it's like, okay, I'll give you Arya, Tyrion, Brienne, and so and, uh, <laughs> and a dragon to be named later. A double A double tra- A dragon to be named later. So yeah, obviously, Arya, you gotta go. She's fucking badass. Ninja fucking stealth moves and iron resolve. Yeah, gotta go with gotta go with and friend of the show. And friend, friend of, of the, the show, show no. Maisie Williams. Arya gotta go with Arya badass. because she can take care of some shit. She kills, spoiler alert, the Night King. She ends the White Walker threat. So, and that was an interesting thing. Like my wife pointed out that like they didn't even show like one of like what could have been like the coolest things is watching her. It's like he's got his whole little like entourage of lieutenants with him. She snuck past all those motherfuckers. Right. Like I wanted to see how she how she pulled that shit off and got to him. You know. So yeah, that that little tiny little package of badass. That's got to be my first pick. Yeah, definitely well in the top five on my picks as well um, would be the best to have around. And also like... It's like having the uh, the in Pulp Fiction when they're like, call the wolf and Harvey yeah. Keitel comes in and like, Arya's like that. She's like, you've got to think like, she'll fix it. Don't ask questions. She's going to fix it. Just, right. Just right. boom. You bring her in. Problem is solved. Now, I'm not sure if this guy is as high on your list, but I have both a practical thing about this guy, why I would have him in the castle. And then also one of my favorite characters, one of the saddest deaths. Oh, Hodor. Interesting. Hodor Interesting. is, frankly, if I just have to have three people in a castle, if I got Tyrion and Hodor, I'm set. It's funny. Solid choice. It and seems like not, not on even my on your radar I, at all. I know. Yeah, exactly. So I'm really disappointed because I thought he was definitely like low list and I was going to steal him from you. No, but like, I hadn't. I hadn't thought of Hodor. But he's just so sweet and cool. We just like brings so much to just like the vibe. Like he's. Oh, yeah. He's great, dude. He's the best. And yeah, probably the most emotionally for my money the most emotionally oh. gut-wrenching scene Dude. just the most powerful like where you were just like moved to tears was, was Hodor's scene where you find yeah. out about him and he dies and that well, the the whole the whole play of symmetry it. of it it's yeah. so fucking cool and well done it's like one of the best they give him I think the best send-off oh, possible yeah. satisfyingly tragically sweetly oh, yeah. such a beautiful beautiful yeah beautifully sad like that was excellently crafted so tragedy. beautifully sad it makes you ugly cry. Yes. <laughs> That's what that is right there. <laughs> uh, won't argue with that. Okay, so who's your number two? What, who are you going to fuck up in my list? I guess I'll grab this one now because I don't know if you're going to have it later. But uh, you're going to be holed up in this thing. You're going to be trying to manage all these people's needs here in your castle. I'm assuming this is a situation where you're like the lord of a working castle. Right. You need a guy who can get things. You want the world's best smuggler. I'm picking Davos Seaworth. Ooh. The Onion Knight. Uh, 
uh, one of my one of my favorite characters, and yeah, I think a super useful dude. Because like I said, ev- it is a testament. Everyone needs many, someone who can get something. How many great characters were written on that show? Because he was not on my radar. I didn't have him. I made a list of probably like twelve or so, thinking that okay, there's going to be some overlap, but that'll get me enough to get seven. You right. know, and he wasn't on the radar really? for the twelve. I thought he was the one you were going to say. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that's who you were about to pick. I thought, yeah. It's funny. We're all going to be thinking, oh, he's going to get mine. He's going to get mine. We're on totally different veins. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens next because I'm expecting your next pick to be a steal from me. Well, let's give some flowers, though, to the Onion Knight because that's a really solid pick. And I think there's also something there uh, that is kind of, I think, been in all of our picks so far, but like utter utter loyalty. Never have to question. Like, you don't need Littlefinger in your fucking castle. You no. know what I mean? You don't God, need no. someone who's even got an ounce of this motherfucker's gonna betray me at any moment. And fucking, if Davos is cool with you and Davos is fucking, he's a square guy. He straight fucking judges, shooter. straight shooter, judges everybody by their merits. Never fucking, you know, and strong compass. Just, you, you, he's, he's a north fucking star. He's yeah. a north fucking star. He's true as a fucking cup. Yeah, and you know? he's someone who can help keep you honest. Right. Make sure you're not making bad to sit, make sure you're staying true and uh, staying on the moral up and up. He can he can definitely speak to that. So so he's got a lot of assets. So yeah, that that's gonna be my number two choice. And I, I'm I'm definitely risking another one that I really want, but we'll see. We'll see what happens next. I know, but I think you're gonna actually be surprised by my next one. All I'm right. thinking because I but I really do think it's really like the attitude difference and change. Mm. You know, so I got. I got Tyrion to fucking party with and stuff. I got Holdor, and then I'm gonna get another drinking buddy. Hey, fuck. Who do you think it's? No, I'm not gonna say that because that fucks up everything. But I think I know who you're going for, and it was gonna be my next pick. Oberon Martell. Shit. Really? <laughs> he was a little further down my list. Oh, dude. Oberon's badass, dude. He's oh, like he's super badass. Super smart. He's amazing, like warrior and fucking like would be amazing just to watch spar and stuff like that. Also, his whole thing was like the poisons he's very smart very learned yeah. he's very good with the poison stuff a total fucking libertine just he's the fucking the orgies that are going to be had with Tyrion and Oberon <laughs> I think it would just be like, what would be the most interesting, fun, cool, and like, besides the man whoring and all that kind of stuff, which is all heightened, it's like fluffy stimulation, interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think Oberon Martel was crazy smart. Oh, he's very, very, very smart. interesting guy. Would be, dude, it's like, if, if you could be like, have a drink in a bar with like Hemingway and Fitzgerald and all that kind of stuff, like, that would mm-hmm. be really cool. That's the kind of cast I'm bringing up. Like, if I'm hanging out, Tyrion three or four hours I could just be like walking over and then talking to Oberyn for another couple hours and just like always be I kind of made my list thinking about not just like oh who do I want to like have be spending I I, you said like it's you got the castle it's winter it's not just like hey who do I want to be in my crew you said like the idea is it's winter's coming I really thought of this when I was like thinking about where where in my list people were I thought about like okay I'm the lord you know I'm lord of Winterfell 
and I got to pick who are my, you know, the people on my council kind of thing. Who's going to like help me run this castle? Who's going to help me like make sure my people are safe and everything? It's like, I'm assuming this is a no conflict of alliances, of allegiances, of whatever it is. It's well, you like, said there's still bumps in the night. The White Walkers aren't necessarily a factor, but you said there's still bumps in the night and stuff. So I really did think that this was about balancing like who you think you could get along with, with who you think would be useful for for getting you and your people through the winter. I really kind right. of arranged my list that way. Okay. Because if we're just going with who I think is well, going to be the most frankly, fun to be around, Arya Stark actually wouldn't be my first choice. No, She's but, a little distant and she's a little but, scary. But frankly, I think that uh, like Tyrion is like the be all to actually he hang out with. Things. But everybody else are motherfuckers that I want to come into battle with me as well. Hodor is a fucking beast. Well, yeah, he can fuck fucking some shit Oprah up. Fucking Martell. Hell can fuck some shit up, yeah. The mountain powered through, because he was already dead, because he had a poison-tipped blade. Yeah. He just fucking showboated too much, and the exactly. mountain fucking powered through, and then fucked that shit yeah, up. Yeah, that was the death in the show that pissed me off the most the much. Yeah. Like, really? Oh, come on. Also, it would be, him. like, so much better to just, like, have more time with him as a character. And I love Pedro Pascal. It was, so part of it is, like, I know I'm getting the character, but also I'm kind of getting the, the people to yeah. and like uh yeah his his death scene was one of those ones where i wanted to react like uh fucking seth green in 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 uh austin powers where he's like we'll drag him over we'll we'll hang him over this pit yeah. of sharks with just shoot him now we can just shoot him now i've got a gun <laughs> i was like oh Oberon, just fucking stab him you know he he's trying to get this confession out of him it's like you know he did it just kill him just fucking kill him i mean i get what they were doing there though because it, you know he did it yeah but it's matters about the court opinion mm-hmm. so getting the confession was yeah important. it just kind of pissed me off but Oberon is an amazing fighter yeah clever Dude, no, that's a guy I, I think there has to at least be the assumption that these guys are on your side too mm-hmm. and Tyrion is a master tactician so he you know he became the hand of the king so yeah if, if shit really went down well and that's why he was that's why he was my number one why I was thinking of him because I have a soft spot for Arya friend of the show Maisie Williams but if you really think about it Tyrion is kind of the top choice because he hits both things yeah awesome drinking buddy but super useful to have on your team because he can be your strategist and like think of all the pro you know he's your he's your he's your uh I stand by my decisions intel guy. Yeah, I stand by my decisions with putting over on that high. Yeah, I do. I I do think that the and as as well like the combination of those three. Like, how would I feel the most safe? How would I have the most fun? How like how happy would I be? You know. Yeah. And I think those three very solid. What yeah. would be your third? See, yeah. I, Who like are I you going to steal? Because we haven't. I, no, uh, Oberon was on your list, but he was like super low. low. Yeah. Was Not he like super low? He past was, ten or no? No, he was he was you know he was higher up than that. Would he have made the list, the seven list. If you hadn't picked him, I was gonna pick him later in, in probably in like this like number or six round. or seven, fifth or six. Okay, yeah. So like I said, I did kind of think about the practicality of it. That's why Arya Stark, though. I you know I don't know how how much drinking buddy you could do with Arya Stark, but uh, but just ultimate badass to have on your team. This is one where you kind of get a little bit of both. This is definitely someone if shit hits the fan and you got to fight some battles. This guy's legit, but also would be fun as fuck. And I'm surprised you haven't picked him already. Torm and Giants Bane. Damn it. <laughs> 
You had him there, didn't you? He was coming up on your list, wasn't he? He was probably placed just about where your Oberon was placed. Like, yeah. we, we crisscrossed Because, yeah, he was a wild and crazy dude, but when it calls for it, he will fuck some shit up. He definitely has his use as a defender, the chief of your defense forces, but uh, also just when things are going smoothly and you just want to fucking party. Oh, my God, that guy's just crazy and fun and wild and just like, fuck, what is he doing now? Oh, love it. Fuck love it he's um definitely the drinking buddy thing he would be on like the the mega like bros in vegas <laughs> trip right yeah. and it's that fucking glint in his eyes oh, you yeah. know like when he gets a little glance of brianne and he's stuff like that loving he's it just, you know he's so down, he's down good. for whatever because he just fucking loves it he just loves living the life and it's just like you can always count on him like you know other people might be like oh i don't know but like he's gonna be down yeah he is always gonna be down like yeah let's party now that I think of it, like in my heart of hearts, those would be swapped. Like if I've really thought of it of like, I know I want to say I'm an intellectual, whatever, whatever, but uh-huh. like me fucking throwing axes at trees in the back with giant Spain would be actually more my speed. Yeah. If I really think of I, it. Like I said, I'm really surprised. I didn't think I was going to get yeah. him. I thought he was going to be like second for you. I think I'm going to have another curveball for you here. So round four, round four, round four. And I'm curious to see if he's on your list. Samuel Tarley. Oh, really? He was on your list? Yeah. Samuel is fucking the best. He's also like a maester. So like shit goes down, people start getting sick or whatever it may be. I did, I guess, really pick, (laughs) with the exception of Holdor, (laughs) like really the smartest guys in the room kind of stuff. But also Samuel is so... He's a little bit Jiminy Cricket voice of reason as well. And so with the other two that I got, I feel like he's really a needed part of the crew. (laughs) Like, come on, guys. (laughs) He can can be the moral compass, the North Star. Yeah. He can fill that role. Yeah, super smart, super sweet, super loyal. Great dude. He's a huge book nerd. I was going to, yeah, I'm like, he's a book nerd. I'm a book nerd. I'm going to get along with that dude. Great. Okay. This has to be a question because peak Samwise, Samwise, (laughs) Samwell Tarly is post everything where he's, Grand Maester. Yeah. Pretty much, right? Mm-hmm. You had to assume that Gilly and all that was then like taken care of and they were kind of all together and he was still doing the adoptive thing and all that. Is Gilly... It's hard. Like, do, do they take along their wives? And I'm now just realizing with the Oberon choice, if he's got to take that, uh, the chick... Elia or whatever. Right. The... The San- Indira Varma, I think yes. her, the actress's yes. name is. Yeah. I don't know if I want those two together. I don't <laughs> mind Gilly coming along to the castle um, and you know give Sam the needed distraction and all that kind of stuff. That's him being a sweet dad is part of his charm. But the question is, are those package deals? Because Gilly is in her own right a different character. I'm assuming if it's like a real firm, like this is definitely permanent. Not like people who had a relationship, had a dalliance or whatever. He is. You can tell that that's a way. lifetime commitment. They are. This this is something that if the character would not go into a winter without, without that, person. that person yes so i can see oberon being like yeah whatever she's whatever let's let's go yeah. do this but you, i don't see sam ever say i'm no. leaving gilly if you pick ned you get kate you get caitlin Ugh, that leaves open a, a window and a precedent when you say ned and caitlin though i don't know if i want that to be the rule then because you're getting two very cool characters for the price of one I'm fine with it because I wasn't going to pick them. They weren't on my top. I I would, they weren't in my draft. It would be an oil and water situation because I 
wouldn't get along that well with Lady Caitlin. She's a little too prickly for me. So doesn't that prove my point? If Ned was on your fucking radar, that you would want to be able to separate those two? Um, Ned would Ned would definitely be Ned could be in consideration, but he wasn't. Let's strong. just say we can have it be case by case. Sure, I so. will allow. You're getting yeah, you're getting Gilly. Gilly's a, a package package deal. deal. So that would bring you to number four, right? Yes, and this is another one, especially with where you're going with him. Not really a dude. You're just like, hey, let's hang out. This is a practical choice. This is someone who will be helpful for making sure everyone in the castle can be dealing with any any problems to situations. He's got the twofer. You need information. You need to know like how something, where something happened, how something went down. You know, this guy is basically a walking Wikipedia at this point because he has knows can see everything. And you got a situation where you maybe it comes in useful to have control over an animal. He's a warg. Fuck. I'm fucking taking Bran. Damn it. For I a second there, I thought you were talking about, um, oh fuck, I'm forgetting the name. The Lord of Whispers. Varys? Varys. Oh no, I'm For picking Bran. For a second, Bran. I thought you were talking about Varys. No, like Bran. if there's, if there's ever like a question of like, like, oh, we need to know this piece of information. Like maybe it's in a book. Maybe we've gotten it. Like, no, fucking Bran can just go like, Burp. oh yeah, no, here, here's, here's, here's an exact, you know, I can visit that exact moment in history and tell you exactly I what. I should have picked Bran over Samwell. God damn it. You're right. Right. Yeah. And no. and plus, like, maybe there's a situation. Who knows what situations are going to come up? There comes a situation where it'd be useful for someone to be able to, like, control well, an animal a, and I have, have a it question. do something. Boom. Where is Brand's snapshot for you? Because I do actually, the reason why he's a little lower on my list, I was thinking, is that it is dependent on the snapshot. I'm taking Brand when he's basically at the right when he's come into full possession and control of his powers. He's but full he isn't Raven, king but yet. not king. No, he's like right when he comes back to Winterfell. He's a little odd. He's a little bit of an odd duck, you know, because of his distance and stuff at that point. He's like kind of like, I'm not really Bran anymore. But his abilities are so useful. They're, they are the uh, Omega abilities. They are yeah. the... And another person... It's like having Professor Xavier with you know, yeah. on your team, you know? Yes. Another person with a really strong moral compass, too. Oh, yeah. I will accept that you got Bran, and I'm going to raise you a Brawn. It's my next choice. Interesting. Now, Bran, obviously a badass. Obviously a guy you want if you're fucking in a trench. Also, I worried a little bit... So, you got... You have the siblings, though. You got Arya and you got Bran together. Mm-hmm. Tyrion's going to want Bronn around. Tyrion's going to be happier and better with Bronn. I really like Bronn. He's just a fucking straight shooter. Bronn is the guy who, like, if you're in the shop working on a truck, you want Bronn. You know what I mean? He's just got that real, like, just going to cut the shit, just going to fucking tell it straight and, mm. like, um, get the job done and just, like, not have any qualms, not have any loyalties. Like, he's just out for him. You know exactly what he's getting. You don't got to worry about his loyalty. He's a stand-up dude, I've always thought in the show. He's a cool guy, and he's got good synergy with Tyrion already. I'm going to add him into my castle. What number are we on now? We're at five. five. You just made your five. So we yeah. got two more. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Brienne of Tarth is a favorite around the Oklahoma household. Not yeah. just with me, but with Ms. Oklahoma. So, But here's here's my question to really decide if that if, if that's your next pick. If that's my next pick or not, because she's on the radar. If I pick Brienne, do I get Podrick? No. No. Oof. Because Pod was originally with Tyrion, too. Yeah. And he's a separate he's a separate being. And Brienne would definitively go to a castle without Pod. Question is, are you going to steal the one if I pick the other? Pod is on 
on the radar, but I'm pretty sure my next pick is not on your radar at all. It's gonna be a shocker. And now I'm like, ooh, I wonder if he's gonna pick this person. And should I? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna not try and. I don't know if this is where you're going, but I'm not gonna try and steal it. So I am gonna go and say, Brian, another just badass, straight up, no bullshit, does the right thing person, and is always gonna be like another one that's not very fun, but not, <laughs> mine's gonna be a fucking party. Yeah. <laughs> like I got Braun, I got Tyrion. Um, I do have, but, I do have Tormund, and I get the fun of watching Tormund Giants okay, yeah. constantly hitting on Brian. I, I do have to say that <laughs> I do want to leave a door open because yes, they they are the package deal for me. That like if I get Tormund, I want Brian to. Well, like, since I picked Tormund, I'm gonna go ahead and pick Brian. It's so it's such a fun good, dynamic. I want to be, be on the courtside seats uh, for watching those two together. Yeah, that itself is a fucking. You don't need uh, anything else. I could just pass the whole dive watching those. Watching two. those two. Uh, Plus, she's just a badass and such a good good soul. Good soul. And I think if you could get her to cut loose a little bit, I think she'd be fun. I think oh no, I think for sure. Up. Plus, Miss Miss Oklahoma will kill me if I don't pick her because it's like I said, a favorite of Miss yeah. Oklahoma's. So she wants to be buddies with her. So uh, yeah, definitely got to pick her. Dude, she's the best. Yeah. All right. So that's my number five. Okay. And now you know where my number six is going. Yeah. But let's see if I guess correctly about so what yours. I is. think really Podrick is such a great character. You and my. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say a name. Let's see if I was right. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see what you, if you were right because this is this one doesn't really make a lot of sense at all. Olena Tyrell. Yes, I called it. You called it. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, oh, he's gonna pick. He's gonna pick uh, old lady Olana, and I'm like, is Olana? I thought it was Olena. Olena, yeah, Olena. What did I say? E N N A. No, Olena. Olena, maybe. O O L L or Olena. It starts with an O. I'm pretty sure. No, it is. It is, and I I pronounced L. Yeah, no, I think it's a question of the hard E or the soft E. Is it Olena or Elena? I don't remember specifically. It's been a while since they said her name out loud. So yeah, I thought about that, but I'm like, he might be going there. But I I decided, you know what? I'm was she was she on your radar? She was on my radar. Yeah, dude, she's so cool. Yeah, she was a potential number seven. She was a potential. She's got that matriarchal, just but just so fucking sharp. Oh yeah, like the conversations between her and Tyrion would just be awesome. And also, someone to rein shit in. She ain't gonna let Bron go too far. Yeah, like she's gonna give a little what's for. Like that's that's like she's gonna make sure everyone stays on their best behavior. Well, just sharp as attack, but also like knows how just to. Whereas Bron just knows how to fucking like cut all the bullshit, get down to brass tacks. She does that, but without with instead of the weaponry, she does it with the politics. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like definitely someone you want on your side, someone who can get shit done. I just to you know because I don't think it's gonna be in here on your list. I had comprehensions of Varys. Like sometimes you want someone who can fucking figure some shit out. Sometimes uh, it's weird. It's part of me just wants to be like hanging out there. But part of me kind of knows like I put these people together and I got to be responsible for like keeping the peace and like bringing some balance to mm-hmm. everything. It's not as simple as that you're in charge of everybody because also we're dealing like no one's going to go to Lady Tyrell and be like hey I'm in charge now and you need to do this that and the other. She's going to fuck yeah. you you know <laughs> or the English cutting equivalent of fuck you whatever I, that I, may I be. I picture it I picture <laughs> having her there would be like in this scenario where I'm thinking like you're the lord of the castle it's like you're the patriarch 
but she's the grandmama, yeah. you know? And it's just oh, like... Oh, she's big mama. She's big mama she's as big a mama. motherfucker. You're, she's letting you be in charge because she's like, I've been... This is been your in show. Charge, yeah. But she's like keeping an eye on everything and she's like, if anything starts to get out of hand, big mama's going to step in and put the, put the foot down. So the comment about the bumps in the night, I think I needed to say that for the fact of like, I could also see that... There has to be a reason why everyone's getting trapped in this castle for. Oh, the I assumed it was because of just winter. Like it's the safe place to be. But I meant like and bumps in the night, where the fact is like it with like Oberon and Lady Tyrell. These are southern folk, so like the assumption of a big winter and stuff. Like maybe it would get that far south, south or whatever. But they'd just be like, "Yeah, hey, fuck this. I'm going back to door, or I'm going back to High Garden. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm dealing with this." So the bumps in the night is like, no, we're definitely trapped here. We're, nothing's gonna try to get us here, but we're definitely trapped and we're stuck here you know oh, see i thought of it as like there might be bandits there might be whatever it may be but yeah you know. we're definitely stuck here there's nothing gonna try to come in and get us we're safe here in the castle we just have to deal with each other for this winter okay yeah I, i'm glad she was on your radar like i worried i worried it was too deep of a cut because yeah. she doesn't have a huge shadow in the show the way that a lot of characters do but like but, fan favorite totally oh yeah. fucking awesome so sharp so, so like i said she's like, like that tack. perfect she's that like awesome grandma yeah yeah. It's like she don't take no shit, mm. you know. But yeah, again, I did I did approach it as like I asked if we were taking the White Walkers into account because that changes everything. But I still assumed like this is going to be standard yeah. kind of fantasy medieval life. But I'm still assuming like there might be people who try and like break into the castle and be like, we're going to take your castle from us. So, like I'm, I'm assuming like, you know, we might have to deal with a siege kind of thing when I when I kind of put together my list. But like I hinted, uh, I am going to put someone on proved to be a capable, capable fighter. Uh, definitely could. Could uh, you're going to get him and he's going to be able to squire for Brienne and everything's going to be kosher and happy with this world but is but uh yeah hold his own on the field so you know you could count on him if if things get rough like seems like a good dude and a fun dude to have around someone who's game for for whatever and you know wants to live life and uh have some fun so uh i think i think you know and he would bring some levity and just like a, a guy everyone can just like everyone can just be like oh you know he i feel like podrick can lighten the mood if anybody's ever getting a little stir crazy i'm assuming this is a fully stocked Staff. castle right like and like I said, uh-huh. I approached it like this is a full castle. We have there the is a population I... living in here. A whole not right. just like oh this is my household and servants. I'm imagining like a full medieval castle. Like we're basically this is basically a small village living in this. The reason I ask is that if I remember correctly, besides maybe the little fat kid in Flea Bottom that can do the good cakes, Patrick is known as the best cook because he's the one who's the squire and he he's talked about how he makes good food. Isn't there something? There's something there though. Right? Right. But like, I also just like the idea that like he would be a good cook. He just seems like a good natured guy, so he could definitely just like lighten the mood too. I think Pod's like the best. Everyone would feel a little just happier, just like when he bringing some levity into the room when he's there. I'm glad Pod is in a castle, and I'm glad he's able to squire for because I feel like that's what he really wanted to actually be a squire for like a legit night. And yeah. even though Brienne like oh I don't really need you and had that dynamic and stuff, I think there was that element of Pod was happy 
happier and actually at his peak with Brienne being rather like than her, her being side. under Tyrion. And Tyrion's yeah, like, being, yeah, they're going to call me a fucking knight, but come on, we know what's going on here, guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, it's 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 Batman and Robin. When But when you get to the end and you see Brienne and Pod, uh, where and especially where things end, you know, it's they're Batman and Robin. Um, and so I, having Brienne in there, I feel like you got to have him. And like I said, plus, he just seems like a good dude, a fun dude, I and get someone the, that everybody can get along with. Why you want to tag them together and have them be a package deal? I don't think it's fair to Pod to do that by himself I guess that would be the argument why he has to be a separate entry is because he'd also by be himself, a good choice by himself he's, a good he's choice. still a, still he's a, still worthy to qualities. be there yeah so so he's my sixth choice so bring it home where are you going for the end I have to choose between all of what's left and figure out like what's the last slot gonna be and it's actually one of the harder decisions because also I have to think of like who am I also like forgetting about and not putting in or assuming that you would have grabbed mm-hmm. or you know like I said we did all real deep cuts mm. Jon Snow still on the board Ned Fucking still on the Ned board Ned still on the board Daenerys still on the board Renly still on the board <laughs> Sansa who, uh, Ridley I will say this what did you say Renly <laughs> The younger brother, the one who was Sir Loris's first uh, original lover. Oh, Rinley. Oh, the Baratheons. Ooh. All of the Baratheons. It's still on the... Well, uh, mm. uh, I don't know that I'd pick any of them. Rinley, Robert would be fun. Robert too Robert much. would be fun. Robert seen, Robert's that friend who think like he's... It's Robert, fun. I would get... And maybe this would be more books rather than uh-huh. show. Robert, I would get before he's king. Robert was a fucking yeah. badass before he was king. Before he was, he was a king, lot of fun. Yeah. Like, and he didn't really want to be king. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I feel like once he's king, he becomes that friend where you're like, he's like, come on, it'll be fun. And you're like, okay, that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah, we'll go do it. And next thing you know, you're in fucking jail in Tijuana and you're like, what the fuck happened? And he's like, Rrr! and you're like, oh shit, now I'm cleaning up Except his, he's made a huge point, fucking mess. At that point, he was doing all that because he was king. Because he was king. So that's why I'm like, if no you, consequences. If you, you know take I mean? him, if you take him as the show, he's that guy who like, he becomes that friend who you like, it's fun for a little while, but then you realize you're constantly cleaning up his fucking messes. Like he's constantly getting you into trouble and like you you have to be the one to be the responsible one who is always dealing with right. it. Right. It's like our relationship, and I don't need more of that. Nice. Um, well played, yeah. little. So, so I'm just going to go for it, and I'm... Should I give it to you? What? Should you tell me what it is? It'll it'll make the podcast more interesting if, rather than you keeping it silently in your head. I'll tell you that no, much. <laughs> it's on its own merit. The relationship he has is best seen in the top pick, but he's a badass motherfucker. He don't take no shit. He's fucking has his own set of loyalty. He has a real humor about him. He is funny. He has some of the best lines in the show, I think. And definitely bumps in the night, shit going down. This is a motherfucker you want. The Hound. Interesting choice. I would feel better if Arya was there with him. I don't know how it's going to fuck with the whole symmetry of the thing, but fucking he's badass. He's a lot of fun. If he's on your side, and we got to assume, like I said, Geneva Convention, everyone's kosher. Everyone's on each other's side. There's not a blatant, like, you're not picking explicitly people who you know you're going to be fighting each other. That's part of the fun. Like, you're just Mm -hmm. picking, everyone's going to be neutral at this location. Yeah. I just, I think that the Hound's... He's also just fucking cool. He's just got some fucking... The stuff when he starts, like, battling for Arya. And fucking, like... He has a huge epic battle with Brienne. He fucking fights his goddamn heart out. Yeah. He's a fucking truck. 
when he's throwing that goddamn sword like oh, yeah. he fucking and he just like like i said if that crazy's on your side that's crazy you want you know and aria gets that in full force the best stuff he has is his shit with aria and that's why it's like uh am i fucking up kind of by not having that kind of synergy of the group because they have a dynamic duo act dynamic yeah. that really kind of help complement each other mm-hmm. But I think on his own merits, he's a fucking badass and complicated character. We know the fucked up shit he did. And yeah. No, he's a great character on the show. He's, he was one of the ones I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, also, just, I guess, more than anything, deserves the flowers more than these uh, bigger names with, like, Ned. And I, I did have Caitlyn. This was, okay. A little so prickly for me. He, here is where I faltered a little bit. And it possibly could be maybe your final choice. Sir Jorah Mormon. He's a little bit more of a safer pick, but I think I'm not in a safe castle, so the hound's cool. Sir Jorah is as loyal as they come. He, he's like a Onion Knight pick for me. Yeah. But I, I guess that's not your pick. What's your number seven? No. I thought about the Hound because, like I said, he was a, a very interesting character on the show that I really like. liked right. his character development and his arc and everything and his dynamic with Arya. And he's a little bit like Braun. If this is a situation, if the situation you had posited is we're going into battle, we have to fight a war and we're going on the battlefield, I pick him. Locked up in a castle all winter with him, he's a bit of a downer. He's the anti-Podrick. It's and I'm so funny, like, though, because oh, the, beginning, be like- the beginning of this list and conversation, I was like picking, oh, these are the bros I'm going to be hanging out with this whole time and then you were the one that brought up like well i was thinking like more tactical there's bumps in the nights and then i start picking brawn and the hound like okay yeah you're right i need some fucking muscle behind me and now you're like he's a justification dude if you just want like tactical fine but well i feel like i feel like my first choice my first couple choices like i'm like all right i got that shit covered now uh, you know i got Arya. oh we got the yin and the yang we got the I yin and the yang now i can kind of start start throwing a couple of the wild cards cards in there the fun know. ones the ones are gonna be able to hang yeah with. although Tormund Tormund uh Giants Bane he kind of feels he definitely he's, he's the best of both worlds there. yeah well um, that's also why I picked fucking Hodor I thought for a second there you were gonna go with yeah someone. who do you I think was, I was gonna go for? I was strongly considering Gindy Jindy the blacksmith who's the Robert Baratheon's oh right bastard right, who, right. who's in love with Arya seems like a good dude uh could be a fun dude got some skills blacksmith master of your forges lady Olana was on my uh, or Olina Diana Rigg was on my was on my radar Varys definitely could be a very useful person to have yeah and a very um pragmatic yet morally conscious person like you say like his thing was he was he's dedicated to the people so he's always going to be like this you know saying like you know here's what the common people need here's he's always gonna have his ear to the ground of like this is this is what's going on so i might pick him but like you mentioned there's also jorah mormon is also another strong contender there's also what, part of me- what about what is his name gray worm worm tongue gray worm the head of this unsullied i feel like he's gonna go stir crazy in a castle over winter i don't want to do that to him he again if we're going into battle he'd be towards the top of my list very tempting to pick drogo but i could picture him getting a little stir crazy and like getting difficult this this really comes down to for me i mean ned would be a 
very capable, competent choice, but it, there's nothing that really elevates him. Plus, I don't want to deal with Lady Catherine. Of course, obviously, Daenerys is an obvious choice, but she is also kind of very distanced. And and then you're bringing on the dragons, which is a huge drain on resources during the winter when you don't have like, oh, you can't be out on the open I think farmlands. fully stocked mean fully stocked. I don't think that we need um, to do the calculus of like, oh, because I have Tormund and Brienne, that means that we're not going to have enough grain because both of them are really big and can eat well, a lot. Well, I mean, you know what between I mean? the different, a, a person being a big person who can, you know, and a dragon, which needs like, you know, several pieces of livestock a day. I'm just saying that I think that um, that shouldn't necessarily be a deciding factor. I have my own reasons just why. just the end of it, she has a little, there's a little Daenerys. bit of my bad taste in my mouth about Daenerys. Yeah, but again, you, we get to have a snapshot on Daenerys, um, so. And she is a little sanctimonious, so I mean, I, I could, that could Definitely, that would be a reason why she would not be um, on my list. I think that part of me really does want to choose Sir Jorah, but it's like, I kind of feel like I've got that area covered. Oh, with shit. I have it. I have it. I have it. I have it. You already picked, bitch. I know, but I have it for you, bitch. All right. Fucking little a Mormon. Little girl Mormon. I was about to say, yeah. she is another fan favorite in the... Uh, little Oklahoma. girl Mormon's a fucking badass. Yeah. I wouldn't mind having that she is. Girl. She is a favorite in the uh, Oklahoma household. Both me and The Miz uh, were definitely fans of, of her character and thought she was a real badass oh but i got it we got to wrap this up so and and he's also okay. a favorite i'm going with varus i'm going with varus okay okay um i was just gonna I really offer, like though, his character i was always really interested i was just gonna offer, i like his arc uh just real quick uh-huh. let, let, let's give varus his flowers but I, I would like to offer though if you pick sansa you could get a jonas brother now here's the thing here's the thing i'm gonna oh i don't know if i want to save this is it a possibility we're gonna do a thing where we talk about potential are we going to do a, a season where we talk about potential game of thrones spinoffs like we did in the previous iteration i mean it's possible because i got something i i could mention now if we're not going to bring up game of thrones again but if we're going to do that i've got something for that i would bring it up now because it's not necessarily in the forefront and right. lord knows i'm calling dibs on this if we do that if we do a if we do a game of thrones regular season sure where that's the list topic is potential game of thrones spinoffs because i mentioned today this is something i wish we could see uh, as a spinoff from Game of Thrones. I know they've got one and I haven't watched it yet because I just finished watching the regular series this today. But what I really think they should do, I want to see one where Tyrion and Sansa make a go of the marriage and it's a comedy. I want to see a fucking sitcom. <laughs> like, you know, it's I... It's like King of Queens. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. Um, where, like, this inexplicably hot girl is with this, like, club. They are married. They yeah. are technically yeah. married and they do have an interesting little dynamic in some of the... In, toward, in that NC season. I totally want to see a comedy about the two of them. I picture it more... Not so much the dynamic Actually, like of I king think, of queens i'm thinking it would be like a oh, screw i want it to be a screwball comedy it very it very much have that cary grant katherine hepburn kind of repertoire repartee kind of thing cary grant Was in bringing up baby tracy and hepburn tracy and hepburn were were an actual real life couple and they did a bunch of movies together right. but i'm thinking the quintessential screwball comedy oh, oh, was right. a movie called bringing up baby and it yeah. was Catherine hepburn and cary grant there's something about it when like when they had some scenes together you, you kind of felt like you know what if anybody could kind of handle him and kind of manage him as like a life partner 
I feel like I, I want to see something where it's a show where it's kind of like one of those comedies. It's 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 a bit of a trope in the romantic comedies, but like, you know, there's some situation where like these people have to pretend like it's a green card situation kind of thing. Like she's doing him a favor because he needs to uh, or like okay. they're yeah, pretending yeah, yeah, yeah. to that thing where it's like the fake relationship that like and then the, it's the it's them slowly kind of falling in love and it becoming a real relationship. They are technically married because of this whole, you know, royal houses and melding of 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 families and stuff so they got married and then like they're like well we're we're technically married and so we're sharing a house and then it's like they and then the whole show is all about them getting to the point where they are you know actually in love and it's a functioning and it, it's like this marriage is gonna make it that's what i want to see i think that would be fucking great but that said yeah i'm going with ferris okay yeah brings, let's give he's ferris got his flowers he's a really cool it. character really interesting character again you know like he's he's he knows how to play this game but he's always he's doing what has to be done for the people and he knows this game is something that's gonna go on and so he's like someone needs to be the voice of the people in this game and and he brings his own unique skill set to the table and yeah they did a really interesting arc where like it you know at first you're like i don't know about this guy he's like got his fingers and everything and is this guy like the ultimate like back behind the scenes politician right and you really come to realize like no he's there because this thing is going on this game of thrones and people the regular people are going to be lost in the shuffle and so he's he's like this is a thing i can do and he's like and i can do it for the people to make sure someone's in there for the people i can put this skill i have to use to good use for a good cause so really ends up being a straight up dude you know a good dude and um and plus has the skills has the and and would be a fascinating guy to talk to oh yeah so like smart and and insightful like i think is i think would be a great dude to have around always gonna know what's the rumblings what's the word on the street of your castle like he's gonna let you know about if something's gonna be a problem before it's gonna be a problem he's like a forensic detective he's taking little scraps of data and being able to see the big picture yes immediately yeah you know like i said he brings it yeah brings a great skill set to the table like i said i i i thought about maybe jorah mormont being in that section but i'm kind of like in terms of like kind of the place they'd serve in the castle a little bit redundant with with having sir davos there but varus brings the oh no i completely agree and i also think that with his kind of compassion and his insightfulness I feel like having Varys there, like we're all spending this winter. It's dark. Uh, we can't get out much. We're all trapped in this castle. You know, we got to make sure we make it through this winter. It's going to be nice having Varys there because I feel like he can be the castle therapist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's take a moment and then we will get to our winter playlist. Winter mix. Soup's on. Soup's on.
steal from me, you steal twice. This premise and idea was actually taken from the very same podcast of Daniel O'Brien and Soren Bowie called Quick Question, Daniel and Soren. And they discussed on their podcast a winter mix, not holiday music, winter, songs that include winter. Interesting uh, addition that I don't think would make your list at all. Sorry if I'm spoiling anything, but the first addition, the first uh, inclusion in their list was uh, Brick by Ben Folds 5. Now, famous Famously, uh, people who, who follow the podcasts and the characters, uh, Daniel O'Brien is a big Ben Folds 5 guy. Uh, logical decision, and I don't even think it was his choice, like Soren kind of beat him to the punch. It says, uh, like the first line of it is about being the first day after Christmas or something like sure. that. So, and admittedly, this is one that is going to have some torching songs. Torch, torching songs are like uh, you never heard this term. There's a whole album of Billy Holiday called Torching Songs with Billy Holiday. You mean torch songs? Torch songs. Sorry, not torching. Not torching. Yeah, right. Torch, torch songs. songs. These are torch songs. These are these are songs where you're reveling in the sadness. These are not going to be happy-go-lucky songs on my side, at least. So kind of appropriate that that was their first inclusion. But I am going to begin my list on a different note. The rest of the list will definitely be torch song-ish. But to me, this is not a torch song, but it is a song that is titled Winter White Hymnal. It is a song that is, to me, it would be the highest arc of reveling in winterness. It's a very sweet song. It's a song by Fleet Fox's White Winter Hymnal. I was following the eye, was following the eye, was following the eye. It's a very sweet song. It's a very fun song. It is all about winter. It's in the title. Um, it's one that, you know, feels like kind of a no-brainery kind of thing. And it's also, in my mind, it's a fucking banger. It's a great it's song. It's a good song. It's yeah. a fucking awesome song. Yeah, Fleet Foxes. Solid choice. It's the song that if you're going up to go skiing or something, you want to go on a fun winter adventure, and this is the pump-up music. It's all downhill from here, but well, it started <laughs> off on a a high note right. I figure I do want to say like I do love the acapella at the very end of this song like and the guitarists are like very like beach boy and like mm. the harmonies and everything it is a fucking killer beautiful song yeah it's got a cool thing going on with the uh, right. kind of almost round robin-y kind of like coming in on the different vocal each guy coming in on the line on the vocals it's so nice when the there's harmonies. something that is like it sounds new but also so familiar and comfortable mm-hmm. you know and I, I think Fleet Fox is listening to this was I think the first song that really got on my radar for this group until I really got into them this one had that vibe of they're doing something really different but also so familiar and yeah. so like you know like I said Beach Boy vibe. Beach Boys fucking that, uh, yeah. also just like uh, melodically it's like really fun doing the staircase <laughs> the ups and downs appropriate why they have the hymnal on the yeah. end of the word it does feel like a hymnal you know Falling in the snow And I 
After the storm, shovels and rope, I'm not sure how much in the zeitgeist the song is. I love the song though. It's a fucking like very tender spot in my song. I fucking shovels and rope is basically Carrie Ann Hurst and Michael Trent. They're both fucking crazy talented musicians who do this kind of uh, husband wife act. I put this down, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the same like level as Guthrie, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, just like amazingly composed songs, fucking cool how they do them, great, of that genre, I guess. I don't know, what would you describe Shovel's Rope as? Are they country? Are they folk? Are they? It's kind of country folk there. I was going to ask, I was like, uh, is this an Emmylou Harris, Graham Parsons song I don't know about? It, they definitely, that's a vibe there, for sure. I guess why it's winter to me after the storm, but I just, I get that vibe too, though. It's not only just that I love the song, it's a great song, and it has the word storm in it. For me, though, hitting that high note and those drums coming in with mm-hmm. the fucking mouth harp afterwards, <laughs> um, like... It hits that pinnacle and gives that ebb and flow of like a storm. And then the song closes out with a more acapella. And like for me, that just like does like the definition of the arc of a storm as well. You get those last little like putters, sprinkles at the end without all the big dynamics, but that note they're hitting together. They are so many for my weary heart is. That is Stormy Weather, longtime jazz standard, and I, I did contemplate using Billie Holiday's, which I just love Billie Holiday, and she is the be-all to end-all to me when it comes to a vocalist in general. But I thought, I, I don't know why, just the, the way that it's scored, the way that Etta James sings, it, it feels more wintry there's something about like the drama of it maybe Mm. with the strings there's something more 
definitely Billy is known for her torch songs. And like I said, this is a jazz standard. So there's a lot of different Duke Ellington I know has done a version of it. I'm sure Ella's done a version of it. Besides being with Duke, of course, it, it's something that's, you know, always in the fucking back pocket of a lot of jazz musicians of that generation, especially. Why chose for winter? It should be self-explanatory. Her version of it, though, too, I feel like her version of it, whereas Billy's version of it is like this thing of like it's really personal. Gloom and misery everywhere Stormy weather Just can't get my and it's like kind of this this secret between you listening and her doing it. Like her version is also like a little bit more universal. When she's talking about stormy weather and love and I not being together and all that kind of stuff, you feel like, oh yeah, we've all been there. Like right. this is a this isn't me peeking into somebody's diary. This is somebody telling everybody, hey, we've all had this happen too. So that's why I thought Etta James was the most appropriate to have. Also. Musically, it has some synergy with my next choice, so that doesn't hurt. The next entry is by Irma Thomas. It's a song called It's Raining. Stormy weather. This song she came out with in 1962. The version I am choosing here, this was live at San Francisco in 1990. 30 years almost past when she had a big hit with this song. It's raining so hard. It's really coming down. Sitting by my window, watching the rain fall. I don't know what it is about me. Those old R&B fucking progressions, the fucking the way the piano and the horns hit on that shit, like. I love that. It's like Otis Redding. Fucking love Otis Redding. It's just when the when the horns and the fucking bass and the fucking piano and everything hits together. There's nothing better to me. It's a great song. We're talking storms and rains mm-hmm. and. This is how the world will be 
In my defense. <laughs> hey, I'm not going to argue with Tom Waits, friend of the show. There's rain in, in both subjects, but also, like, it, when I listen to it while doing my work and in my car and all those kind of things, the TikToks kind of match the guitar musicality. There's these dripping kind of mm-hmm. feelings, but whereas the TikToks with Irma is like, kind of, the rain is happening. He's like, now the rain's hitting on a drunkard. <laughs> but also, it's it's raining everywhere I go. It rains on me. Like I feel like there's a thematic symmetry sure. there as well. There's still a fun, I think, symmetry with that in the Irma Thomas. Like, there's the, with the chorus, and like, just, it feels like maybe just like a drunkard's version of an old timey, doo R R&B. Where I go, like. That's a blues song. Yeah. They, they have that foundation of the blues. They got that blues foundation where it's like, there's enough of a connection there that I put them together and they have them in my brain. And like I said, with the thematics of all talking about rain as well. Void of form. Come in, she said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. That is Bob Dylan's Shelter from the Storm. I think obviously winter feels from Shelter from the Storm, you know. It's kind of a midway point within my list as well. So it it is something where it's like sometimes if you just go too jury too fast, it gets a little bit whatever. So there's like this glimmer of hope with that idea, Shelter from the Storm. This song in particular, if you really listen to the lyrics, there's a weird glimmer of hope. And I think that's really what winter is about. Like you're getting pounded with weather, you're getting pounded with cold, you get pounded with rain You get pounded with storm You get pounded with wind But like there's these little things Where like you know like seeing A little flower Crest out of some snow Every once in a while there'll be a weed That will just put a bloom on In the middle of winter There needs to be a little bit of hope There needs to be a little bit of like Okay this is the necessary step And we're gonna get to another spring uh, Shelter from the Storm for me encompasses that A beautiful song from my favorite Bob Dylan album, but on the tracks, it's all pretty flawless in my mind. So, Fox in the Snow. So, Fox in the Snow, well, frankly, in my mind, for my playlist that I've been setting out, like I said, uh, Shelter from the Storm still has that glimmer, though. Now we're getting dark. 
Mm. And Fox and Snow is kind of dark and dreary. We're talking about instrumentation and stuff like that. Bell and Sebastian, I always thought I had a real knack for making music. It's very sweet mm. and very, you know, calming, very tweed. Twee, not tweed, twee. But then having kind of this undertone of kind of really dark <laughs> things they're talking about. Like mm-hmm. Fox in the Snow is, it's it's kind of sad. It's, it's kind of a sad sentiment that they're portraying. But like a beautiful song and the guitar and the piano and everything really works nicely with mm-hmm. each other. But yeah, has that real wintry, a little bit defeatist. some more snow the the artist I'm talking about the guy who wrote it is Elliot Smith he wrote a song called Angel in the Snow the version though done by one of the Avid brothers and Jessica Leah Mayflower, I think her name is. Hmm. Does, though, musically, I think, fit a little bit more with the Bell and Sebastian? Like I said, definitely feeling more of the, like, down vibes, a little bit more depressing kind of sound, maybe. Got a haunting vibe to it. Haunting. It's a very good word saying it. Her voice as well is like, it has that hauntiness about it for sure. And it feels a little bit more wintry, I guess, than Elliot Smith's voice. I love Elliot Smith though. Like, mm-hmm. he's just an incredible songwriter, in my opinion. And that's a great song. I do feel like there's a real wintry vibe there. I was actually realizing that, like, a lot of female voices. I don't know what that means. <laughs> this is probably something edible there. I don't know. Thank you. 
song called Caught a Long Wind. The wind definitely attracted me to the idea of putting this in because it's mm. all like snow and rain and that, that, that. But like, the more I listen to it, the more it does really have that feeling of winter by Feist. of the box scales there but also I do get a real feel out of the instrumentation like a long wind is a perfect title for it because it, it feels like a wind it's like it's swirling around you and like even the voice very haunting voice it got a real winter vibe for me and yeah this is I think where it begins to be a little bit more um we're just talking winter and like it's incorporating the sounds, the soundscape around you mm-hmm. is feeling more like winter. But it's a little bit more connected with a uh, long wind and what what's mm-hmm. being talked about. The next song, though, I think really gets to the crux of lyrically probably has, has nothing to do with winter. But like music, the soundscape to me, I get the feel of winter. This is Radiohead, How to Disappear Completely. The thing that really popped into my head to try to explain it, like famously, I I don't even know who the exact person was, but someone was asked, uh, how do you define pornography? They said, I don't know. I just know when I see it. And that's my explanation for this being Mm -hmm. winter. (laughs) I don't know why it's winter. I just know when I see it. And that feels like winter to me. Like what Johnny Greenwood is like the shapes he's putting over that. And Mm -hmm. just like all that kind of chaosy kind of stuff. Also really appreciating like that baseline is fucking tits McGee. Like that's a really solid fucking baseline. And weirdo Tom York, he's just fucking amazing. And as all this fucking 
tonal gravitas behind it makes it really big and feels wintry to me. It all yeah. feels so wintry to me. I don't oh, know I can why. See it. I can see it. I do not know why. There's no like real reason with the song title and the subject matter, anything like that. That is uh, Mercury Rev, The Dark is Rising. And what we'll be seeing in later entries, there is a lyric there, uh, now the creek is rising and all my bridges burned. So yeah, definitely maybe just um, particular to me in my life story experience. But when I was a kid, we lived out towards the foothills and we had these vernal creeks. And there would be certain occasions where we couldn't go to school because it had washed over the bridge that we usually use to get to school. Mm. Rising waters, it's a potent image, wintry image to me when I grew up especially. And Dark is Rising has that whole real image. It's very dramatic. I hope you see there is a little bit of musical symmetry with the Radiohead. I can see <laughs> and that. And it, it kind of fits, right? And it definitely leads into my next entry. All right. But it can seem surprising. I never 
So this is one I remember very specifically because um, children of our generation <laughs> um, had to sit in the car and listen to oldies music, as they were called at the time. And uh, before I could get my own music, before I knew what music was, I knew Bridge Over Troubled Water. And before I even had registered Simon and Garfunkel and all those things, I associated trying to leave those foothills and the crazy current mm-hmm. sometimes knowing it can go over but then when it was going under bridge over troubled water where it's like when it was just barely under the mm-hmm. bridge like you can get across the bridge but like it's a rush it, it, water's finding this level it's rushing yeah. like pretty much right behind it That image, like a bridge over troubled water, I will lay you down. Like, it's always been super potent, very much the sentiment of winter. You know, like that feeling of having a fucking warm fire when a bunch of rain, they just pouring down or snow, whatever it may be, just like that release of your survival instinct that you, you're safe. You don't have to worry about it. Bridge over troubled water. Obviously was the Fleetwood Mac song, Landslide. There is a Smashing Pumpkins version. Because I'm a fucking grunge guy. Again, not grunge. Because I'm a 90s guy? Sure. Billy Corgan's pretty great, and I yeah, like his Corgan's. version. They're not grunge, and it's but a I, little I bit more palatable bands. than the Fleetwood Mac. Because the Fleetwood Mac has got some uh, 70s eagle cheese on it. Stevie Nicks is solid as shit, though. Yeah. Because Stevie Nicks is an amazing vocalist, and she gives a real mystical feel about her rendition of it as well. Like, she has a whole magic y thing about her. Seasons of my life. 
It's a little bit more potent. It's a little bit more uh, interesting than the Billy Corgan version. Although I'm a little bit more sentimental and Fleetwood Act to me is a little closer to like stadium rock, which is not a turn on for me. Especially if you're talking about in correlation with winter. It has a little bit more of like a hopeful getting outside. Like you've seen this 2000 Fantasia. Uh, not for, I saw it like when it came out. Right. Back in the day. But the last piece that they did the uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Firebird mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. That like rebirth kind right. of thing that they really like <laughs> drove home. You know, like this song though has that premise it's got that the conceit and i i think within this i ultimately i think it's about like um life after this divorce and all the messy relationship mm-hmm. stuff you know that was the catalyst of the song but wintry for me and it is a beautiful song it's the guitars like i said earlier <laughs> the guitar riff is both like understandably classic but like new like it's like this hasn't been done a hundred times already but like somehow this is different you know what i mean like it's got a comfort behind it but it also is like theirs Cold ground. Friend of the show. Ultimately, cold, cold ground, a euphemism for death, which is up winter's path. I think with Waste is a little bit more performative when it comes to his music. Like, he can be kind of boring musically mm-hmm. in the chords and the actual things being played um, because he's just playing that same cycle over and over yeah. again. But like, it, it is a performance. You can tell kind of like he has those actor roots, you know, like Black Rider. I mean, there's so many instances where I can be yeah. like, he's playing a different character actually right yeah. now, you know, but also he's just amazing. The cattle sleep in the mailbox and we'll never go to town. Do we bury every dream in the cold, cold ground? In the cold, cold ground. Cold, cold ground. In the cold, cold ground. In the cold, cold ground. 
cold, cold ground does feel just like a, a nice way to end it all. And it's, it's simple. It kind of mixes with everything, too, because it's got all this bluesy stuff, but it's a little bit avant-garde, so it kind of yeah. mixes with the Radiohead and all that other that, kind yeah. of stuff, too. And, and frankly, I'm just like, to be able to find a way to make Fleetwood Mac mix in with Tom Waits effortlessly <laughs> is, is a win. It's one of those, I don't know if you'll include it, but I, I think it does have a fun little musical symmetry with the first song. That's also kind of a big thing for me because not only do I like songs to like go nicely with each other, but also sometimes when I'm playing a playlist and I'm listening to music, I'm far away and I'm doing other shit and I don't have time to go back. <laughs> like so something to pick jarring. The next playlist. Yeah, yeah. So something it... that can cycle nicely, I love, right? But still be able to go on a journey mm-hmm. and then when you go back to the loop, you're like, oh okay, yeah, we'll keep going. It's a nice feel. So I did not quite go the same way you did. Uh, with some, in I some want to give a little behind the curtains, though, just for a second. Sure. What's interesting is that you actually caught a peek of my list. I did. Yes, you right. showed me your list. So you kind of knew where I was going anyway. But like, but was, in your mind, when I told you that idea, were you already like? I was already kind of. Yeah. So yeah. I just kind of when I saw your list, I'm kind of like, oh, is that what he meant? But I kind of stayed with. Right. It didn't um, change your list very much because you mentioned you were like, oh, I kind of like the idea that you have a different, you know, come in with a different approach. So I, I'm not sure I wanted you to see my list, and I'm like, no. I'm going to stick with what I'm doing. Exactly. Because I went with very much specifically on the feel. There is one coincidentally that has words in there and there is one that does have some words in there that that fit. But I did not take that into the the names of the songs, the names of the bands, the names. I did not take any of like, oh, this one's got Storm in the title. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But I went strictly on. So you're saying no one's list is going to have Counting Crows Long December. No. That's a big disappointment. That's no. (laughs) I went, like you said, with the I know it when I see it. This feels like winter to me. Right. And it starts off with... pissed off at myself for not knowing what what artist that is but i'm drawn a blank so that is the long winters and it's purely coincidental that that's their name that was not the consideration the song is called give me a moment okay i'm gonna give myself a little bit more ease on that because i I have never no they're 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 definitely uh, not a huge name out there Set a spell. Heard 
things at home were going astray Won't you give me a moment I've been away I heard my name but didn't turn around Waited on the stairs for you to take the elevator down And down When I got to my room I found out totally get though like why it begins the playlist there is a like musically a comforting lull about it but i don't know if dangerous is the right word but it's also like ominous it's got a little ominous, ominous yeah vibe. yeah that, that's the right word yeah, and it's yeah. also got a little bit of a plodding feel like like yeah you're trudging through you got to trudge through the web be it the yeah be like it you're a, going through some hard snow or something like yeah, that be it yeah. snow be it rain like in winter you got to deal with some weather you got to trudge through some things right. it feels like that like you're kind of like you're wrapping yourself up, you're trudging through this, you're you're trying to get somewhere, and it's like the weather's kind of fighting you on this. Right. Uh, so that's where I started out. This one I know you like, but I think it will surprise you that you're gonna find it here. I like 
So this, I mean, it is one of the best songs musical, ever. Musical friend of the show, Pulp. This is a song called This Is Hardcore. Amazing song. Amazing song. But why winter? <laughs> so this one makes the list because to me, it makes me think of like a noir movie, like a film noir where it's like winter in the city and it's like dark. The nights are long. It's like, what men in rain, or stained raincoats came for. <laughs> exactly. Um, let's quote the list. It's uh, it feels like it's, it's talking about the, like the seedy underbelly. It feels like something. It's got this like dark vibe of like it's a dark, long, cold night in the city, and you're you're seeing the 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 dark side, the underside of this thing, and it's 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 like again ominousness, a darkness. Um, it is funny. Our second choices both have that in that song as well. It's got that real climatic feel builds up to a real dramatic moment and it's it's like the crest of the storm Yeah. You know, and then there's like this sprinkles afterwards. Afterwards, yeah. Right? It, it, <laughs> it, it happens. It takes it, its it time does have to mellow the, out. Yeah. It does so have peter a... peter out, yeah. I, I get it where like it, it feels like a storm, the, mm-hmm. that song. Like it feels like a storm coming in and out. Like mm-hmm. you're just starting to understand what's happening. It's this huge fucking crest where all this fucking shit's coming down on you and then kind of... And it's... Peters out. It almost... It's like, to me, it's like, I'm like I said, I really picture it. It brings up an image in my mind of like the film noir city oh yeah you know almost in black and white and it's dark and it's the dead of winter and i'm almost picturing that it is like the city which to me is san francisco so it's like you got the waterfront there and it's like there are the waves are crashing in yeah. you know it's like the sea is stormy you know and uh and, and, and kind of at the beginning there with the trumpets it's kind of like creeping up like you just mm-hmm. starting to understand the storm is coming exactly right. yeah so to me that that feels like this very and and like that whole idea of like it's winter the nights are long and everything's dark and dreary like it captures that feel kind of to me um another thing about winter as we move on is winter is dark and you're in you're like it's summer you can go running around in the nature and the weather and go swimming if it gets too hot like winter you got to get inside and you got to like close up and like huddle up and bundle up it's 
insular, and so there's a weirdness mm-hmm. to it. Well, here, let's let's see where we go, and I'll get into it more. Getting to show your notes here by Nine Inch Nails. How is this winter? It's dark. It's, it's got a dark, very yeah. dark feel, and it. When you're torturing monkeys, you gotta be pretty dark. Yes, um, I guess people who don't know. If the, you haven't seen the video, we need to explain. Go there's to YouTube, a music video watch the where video for there's a, a monkey that's crucified, and uh, yeah, it was quite the controversy. It's some dark shit. There's something that feels very like almost kind of like claustrophobic. Like you get shut in. There's the whole thing about like seasonal seasonal affective disorder. Mm-hmm. And like the idea that like you're sh- you get shut in in winter because it's like the weather outside is horrible, so you can't go out. And on the one hand, you can have that situation where it's cozy. You can also have that situation where you start to go a little stir crazy. You start to get a little bit of cabin fever. And like there's a little bit of like cabin fever, like the walls are creeping in, and like shit's getting weird. I'm also like, gonna your mind's your going some dark fucking places because like you haven't seen the fucking sunshine in forever and you haven't had the fresh air forever and you're starting to climb the walls there's like a feel of that to uh, of in this song that's why this makes my winter list because it's just kind of like that like I need to get fucking outside I need to get fucking outside and you can't you're trapped And you you can only go inside and you start to realize like, oh, I've got some dark shit in here. Of artistic license and I'm going to accept this one because immediately what I'm thinking of is like, there's our interpretation of winter and this is like the rodent interpretation of winter that's in their fucking little hole. Mm -hmm. And like, think about it logically. Springtime, Thumper has got all the fucking little babies coming out Mm -hmm. of her, right? They're banging in the winter. They're banging in their 
little fucking hibernation hole so I want to fuck you like an animal it makes a lot more sense if you're thinking of the rodentile fucking well, experience I mean, you're stuck inside what else you got to do well you know? but also it's just a, but I think there's a there's a double play on that though that like the walls are coming down like that would be this closer weirdly is like the exact opus for a uh, wind rising rodents experience <laughs> you know okay. what I mean I guess <laughs> like they gotta bang they know they gotta get out of it like that's where the I'm gonna fuck you like an animal thing comes in well and to me it ties in with the this is hardcore and that vibe of like dark and seedy and like things are getting a little twisted and fucked up you're left to the devices of your mind and you're starting when were you born by the way <laughs> January ah if you were like a June birthday mm-hmm. it'd be like oh it's all making sense yeah. now <laughs> your parents fucked in the deep winter and now you were born <laughs> winter can get some some weird dark vibes going on and this is the ultimate in weird dark vibes of like kind of getting lost in the dark quarters of your own mind sure winter also is like I said it's dark it's got an edge and things are heavy summer spring is all about light and breezy summer's all about hazy and and warm and relaxing. Winter is dark and it's heavy and that's why this next thing makes my list.
Rollins Band. This was uh, featured on the Crow soundtrack, so that helps it with the winter theme, which I get, yeah, Halloween is technically fall, and that was a Halloween-set movie, but it's Ghost Rider. It's a song that was originally... No, I, I thought it was just Liar, the, like, really famous That was, Rollins, yeah, Rollins Band's, Rollins like, band. big hit big was hit. Liar. Right, um, okay. But this one, I think what puts it over the edge as being that winter feel to me is also that it was on the Crow soundtrack. Right. And that Crow, it's very much, it's like, the whole movie takes place, like, at night in this dark, stormy, rainy city, you know, and it's winter. grim, you know, so yeah, it, yeah. it has that, it brings in that winter vibe there, too. It originally was, like, this, like, synthesizer kraut rock kind of song by a band called Suicide, which would not make my list at all, but the Rollins band version, especially the fact that it was on the Crow soundtrack, there's something, like, again, it's... Now, I'm just saying, like, you're having a lot more fun of winter than I am. Uh, <laughs> it's like, winter is heavy, and a, it, there's an aggressive thing, like, the weather's trying to fucking kill you in winter. It's like, the storm is raging, and it's kind of, you feel like you gotta rage back, like, get your aggression out, because it's like, you're just, you're pent up uh, in winter. It's because the weather is pinning you up. The time of year is pinned. The darkness is pinting you up. So, snow is just water that's trying to catfish you. Yes, indeed. So yeah, this one to me, it's it's something heavy, that aggressive, and rocks, but it has a bit of a dark edge to it. It again, it calls to mind to me that idea of like, you know, of the of that image of a city where it's like it's bitter ass cold and the nights are going on forever and everyone's on edge and like it's just fucking grim and dark. Right. You know, it's got that kind of feel. Um Your dark is aggressive though. Uh some of it, yes. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's not Again, perspective. It's it's not that I'm like criticizing you for that. It's just like where's my dark is more self-inflicting with like Bell and Sebastian mm-hmm. and Elliot Smith and all those the Radiohead. Just a realization that that that's a, a difference between us. Yeah, that, like mine's more self-inflicting. Yours is a little more outward. And part of it is because it's like winter is also the opposite end of the year from summer, and summer is about like good vibes. And so it's like winter's the time to me for those real aggressive aggressive, edgy vibes. Because it's like, in summer, you're kind of like, ah, man, it's summer. It's, you know, it's a beautiful, you know, the days are warm and the the evenings are warm too, you know, and it's uh, a good time. And it's like, you don't want to, you don't need to get all like, ah, with it. But winter, you're just like, oh, I got to rage against it to me. And that is also. It's so funny though, because it's like, to me, like winter is like some of the best times and maybe just because like the way our seasons work and like that's when I get the most time off or whatever but right. like winter is like uh, there's the seasonal affective thing so it, at, at the best winter is just depressing you know well, this is going to go through some different places so right. um, this is not my whole list is not like that you're going through the, the whole list there's a whole of, spectrum um, of different kind right. of different days the of seven winter. levels of death acceptance what is it the seven stages of grief Seven stages of grief. A little bit, yeah. That's what I'm looking for. 
Um, but pretty much the reasons it's on the list are almost exactly the same reasons that this. So that's The Pretender by Foo Fighters. And pretty much everything I said about Rollins, the Rollins band, Ghost Rider version, applies to this. It's kind of heavy. It's got a very aggressive and kind of like edge to it. Right. It's not just like rock out party jam. It's like got got a little bit of darkness to it. And so to me, it, it's when it's winter, but I really want to rock out. Like this is one of the main songs that makes my playlist, you know, like in the car. And I'm just like, ah, oh, winter. And just, this, this, this song, it, it hits the right notes of like needing the release okay. that you can yeah. get that kind of fits with winter. I'll be the first to admit that, like, I was, um, I'm still a fan of Foo Fighters. I'll mm. say that. I like their music. Every time they put stuff on, I'm always, like, a fan. But I wasn't following all their stuff. So that was the first time hearing that song. And, like, it has a real driving force behind it. It's really, it's a really cool song. Yeah. Ms. Oklahoma is a huge Foo Fighters fan. Okay. Huge Foo Fighters fan. So it's a big, it's a big thing in our household. Yeah. We hear a lot of Foo Fighters. This one, next one, might be a little more of a personal choice. Sure. Like you said, you had the with the, the memory of the waters flooding. This one has got a particular memory for me. So one thing in particular, this is the stills. They were never a big, big splash, but uh, and I can't remember how I how I came across them. But this particular album that 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 this is on, when I was in college, I had a class where during Jan, no, the beginning at this, the first thing we had to read for this one literature class, and this was a you know the semester, the it would be the spring semester, but it you know started at the end, you know in January. So it was like the end of January, beginning of February, so dead end of winter. I was 
having to read Wuthering Heights for this class, and I I was this was the album that I listened to kind of like as the soundtrack to reading that book. So it was all, it was like very cold and it's a kind of a haunted book. It's got a bit of a ghost story. It's not technically a ghost story, but it's got a right, bit of a right, right, ghost right, story. Right, right. And this, this has a little bit of that kind of haunted, echoey, a little bit of a, a ghost story-ishness to it, to it in you know a weird way is? to me. Ravenclaw, arcane magic. Yeah. It's got a little bit of an arcane magic kind of feel. I can right. see that. And that's got a little bit of a wintry feel. Oh, arcane magic. Definitely. Definitely wintry. a winter thing. Yeah. So that's that's how this song makes the list for me. Nice. Um, so it's a little bit of a personal choice. This one almost made my list. Yeah, exit. I, when I was when I was looking towards the radio stuff, I felt that the Kid A song was a little bit more appropriate, but that was a close second. That was when I was looking through the archives, like yeah, exit film. But it, the whole thing was that exit film, exit music for a film. Like it had a little bit more of a different hang on it. See, to me, and again, it's another thing where it's like, it brings up a visual image. Maybe it's because I went to film yeah, school and yeah, like think no, visually definitely. a lot of times, but it brings up this image. To me, I I hear that song and why I think of winter is like, I picture this image of it. It's dead of night. It is dead of night. You're on the road and it's like starting to snow and it is pitched. You're out in the middle of nowhere. So it's... Uh, there's a desolate about it. There's some desolation about it. Uh, exactly. And Tommy York is really effective about that. And it's very stark. But also, I think there is really, like, I gotta give a lot of props to, like, Greenwood and all, everybody else in playing the band, music yeah. in, in, I, I don't want to give, like, Tom York is some fucking wonder kid and nobody else is doing stuff. Like, they're working in symmetry. They, everyone is trying to get, like, like you said, it's not a auditory image that they're giving. They're giving a visual image in auditory form. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? It's very evocative um, of that kind of dark 
bleak and desolate kind of when they get to the chorus that's why I wanted to play it because it adds like so many dimensions when you go yeah. through the song but when it gets to that chorus that, and the that, rest that of the band drops buzzing bass line you know mm. that gets happening it's like it's fucking really good and um yeah we mentioned earlier about one of the songs ominous Yeah. And it's like you want to talk ominous. This There's an ominous has it in goddamn space. So, so deep. Um but as well there's like a self-inflicting ominous almost there's like a depression behind it there's like a I am my own worst enemy kind of feel that I get from it for some I, reason I could see that it, it's not necessarily like well I guess it, what it is it's not even that like it's ominous because there's an outside force but it's like the most ominous thing is that the force is inside you know what I mean see to me it's ominous in a certain sort of absence like when you said like the desolation but yeah a real uncertainty feeling to it yeah. to me is what I get out of it like I said like you know this dark road where like the only light is like the little pool of headlight that your car is putting out and it's like blackness all around yeah. you know that that to me is how it gets a winter vibe and and why it makes oh no list. i definitely uh radiohead in general has a winter vibe but except music for a film definitively has the me- the winter vibe yeah. uh, and that will lead to this Let you choke Let you So that gets us to Nirvana, something in the way. Nirvana is flawless. Definitely wintry. Definitely that dark, dreary, like I said, you get kind of depressed and sad. You haven't seen the sun in a while. And uh, this this gets that, gets you now. It's like you kind of like you're beat down by the, by the winter. Something. So there's that, a term for it. I, I can't remember what it is, but there's a poetic term for it where you kind of like add in something into the pentameter. Where like the the words of the previous line kind of jumbles into the next line and makes it all work. Enjambment? Enjambment. That's exactly the term. Kirk Cobain throws some really cool enjambment 
into the lyrics or something in the way because it's I always that see, yeah definitely and uh like there's the bah, bah, there's always the like da, 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 mm. the kind of like And it's like um, falling down a stairs. <laughs> he <laughs> does bit. it right in his enjambment while he falls down the stairs. It's just—it's really cool, firstly, but it also does give that desolation, wintry kind of feel and a, and a drudgery. Like you're fighting drudgery, the drudgery exactly, of this, yeah. You know, and you're like a bit of a lethargy to it, and you've got to like keep, got to keep going, got to, got to. But it's like, ugh, it's, it's tough. Like walking through mud, exactly. Like you feel like. You're starting to get your even footing, and then the enjambment comes, and like you're falling again, yeah, back into the mud where it's like you think you're making this, you know, yeah. So that's that is definitely the feel I get out of this, and that's why it makes my list totally deserving. And then we're just gonna get like to where it's you hit that low point of darkness and sadness, just the ultimate of haunting and uh. Well, there's no there's no words. There's no fucking words. myself today to see if I still feel I focus on the pain the only thing that's real the needle <laughs> so in a way Trent Rinsner making the list a second time being the author of that song the writer I definitely want to play the the original the Nine Inch Nails just to like give the contrast of but so yeah I had huge trepidation with Closer and I wonder like I said why I wanted to play the, the Nine Inch Nails version I wonder if I would be as wholehearted in agreement because it's dark well I chose specifically the Johnny Cash version Johnny Cash version definitively is winter as a motherfucker (laughs) there's something harsh and sharp but also something very fragile about winter and you could have it all Upon my liar's chair Something very delicate and fragile And things are in this kind of Very kind of um, Dasis kind of state Of very held intention uh, Held in 
intention, intention. Yeah. not intentions, but in tension of this things could break at any moment. A very kind of s- dangerous stillness, kind of. Anyway, that's the kind of stuff that this yeah. this rendition of this song brings for me and that's why it's like it's a potent image dangerous stillness yeah i agree but yeah there's almost a um suspended animation it's the um i remember a attenborough thing of like the frog who's just like frozen in the snow that kind of feel yeah. you know where you just like you know a world is happening around you but you're just not able to be a part of it exactly because you're suspended you're lost to that frozen 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 yeah. in time and so there's a feel of that in this song so to me it, it has to make the list speaking of frozen there's no Elsa edition so we're gonna throw out I, I forgot I, I did I did I did consider strongly consider uh, no um, uh, just that, trying to bring some humor here kids uh, Start again a million miles away. I will keep myself. I would find a way. So that is a band called Okerville River, uh, very popular in the Oklahoma household. And it's a song called Main Island Lovers. And th- 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 again, this is one where transi- it tra- the, the connection there with the hurt is kind of this stillness and this starkness to it. There's a longing to winter. You're waiting for that spring. You're waiting for that spring. So there's a longingness that this song captures. But it also has its own kind of stark beauty, you know, there's something, you know, when it's, when it's not storming, when it's, you know, that super cold, but it's clear and there's, there's this cold sunshine kind of thing with winter. It's like quite beautiful and the light through the icicles and things. So it's like, you said it nicely with delicate. There's a delicate beauty about winter. Yeah. Where it's done incorrectly, it fucks everything. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. when winter, like, when you're not doing it right, when it's not everything fucking majestic, then it's a fucking real bad thing. But when everything, all the cards are right, you're getting the perfect sun hit off the perfect fucking branch of 
view of everything going on. Yeah. It is almost in a way more beautiful than summer. Because summer you're taking advantage. You're trying to move around. You're trying to do all yeah. this stuff. But like you're actually taking the time now to look at the beauty of the delicate. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's um it's got uh, a very a very beautiful fragility to it um, in its stillness. And this song really captures that. Absolutely. I'd love to hear more of that to song. To me. It's actually... So hot in me But when I fell On the concrete You went white And she Wished that nothing Um, especially when the, the strings get added in as well. There's I, th- I feel like this um, combination of personal fragility and collective fragility because all the other instruments are kind of starting to match the vocals mm-hmm. while being their own thing. Yeah, all kind of dancing around each other. And I feel like that's that's very definitively winter. Like yeah. that's the that's the jive is that like we're all dealing around the fact that we're at our most fragile right now. Yeah, our you most know? vulnerable kind of. Everyone can be fucked right now. Like this yeah. is the time to then uh, you know famously like if you got a horse get it before winter because if it can make it through the winter then it'll make it another year. You know right. those kind of things. Yeah. And so the harsh realities of nature kind of stuff. And the, the juxtaposition of that of the kind of the harsh reality but the beauty in it. Yeah, uh, the beauty, the fact that we're here and really we're making it through. Right. That that's what that song kind of exemplifies for me. That is Ryan Adams. Uh, so this one now we've gotten a little more into just like that kind of we're getting closer towards the end. There's a little bit of hopefulness kind of coming through. We've kind of journeyed through winter kind of here and we're kind of getting closer. Getting um, closer to spring. Getting closer to spring. You can kind of you're kind of dreaming of it. Maybe she take me to France. Maybe to Spain. Ask me to dance in a mansion on the top of the hill. She'd ash on the 
very kind of low-key and muted, but also kind of beautiful and, and delicate. So that's, that's another one that kind of captures that for me. And then... She'd ash on the carpets and slip me a pill and she'd get me pretty loaded on gin and maybe she'd give me a bath how I wish I had a Sylvia plaque I wish I had a Sylvia so that is a old Bright Eyes song. This is from early in his career. Uh, when the curious girl realizes she is under glass. And it, to me, I got this, this, I put this on the list because it was a nice transition, I think, from the Sylvia Plath, the Ryan Adams. It's got the piano oh, thing going sure, on. It's a hard feeling to describe the one that this really brings up for me, but it's like captures to me this feeling that you're really, you're really longing, you're ready for that spring to come and you're really, you're really longing for it, but you know you're, you're not quite there yet. Kind of a push and pull of that kind of feeling. Like there's still a little bit of dark time to be dealt with, um, but you can really see the light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing, and you're really you're really yearning for it. To me, that's that's kind of what this captures, and um, uh, that's, that's really kind of the best way I can put it. It's late February. You know there's still some time, but your hyacinth has already started to bloom. So you've already started to see your bulb come up and make some flowers. So you know spring is coming, and you also know spring ain't here yet. Exactly. And it's that, that push and pull of those kind of feelings. Right. Yeah, yeah. Really. Trying to reconcile those two emotions going on in your body at the same time. Exactly. It's like earlier, you mentioned there's like a little bit of the stages of grief yeah. in here. I had the anger stage. I had the depression stage. Here we've really reached kind <laughs> Have of... Have we gotten to acceptance yet? We are about... We are... <laughs> and here we turn the corner to acceptance. Child 
Because like I said, you know, there is something kind of beautiful about winter. And there's also that feeling like when you really get, you know, you can also find the coziness in it. It's a chance to, oh, yeah. if, you, if you get oh, the yeah. warm fire in the place and the and the snow is outside and it's beautiful through the window and it's nice and warm inside with your with your hot coffee or cocoa or what winter have you. Winter is awesome if you don't have to actually be a part of it. Exactly. <laughs> if you could just look at it from a fire uh, window, and fireplace this, window. This song starts to get us to that. This song is really, to me, and, and the lyrics are actually a little bit in this one, uh, but not not perfectly on the nose, but it kind of, this is what that song evokes to me, is getting to that place. So that's a band called Low, and it's Last Snowstorm of the Year, and that's probably the most on-the-nose of, like, winter lyrics oh, yeah. for any of the ones I chose. But like I said, it there's something about this that it, to me, there's something about this song, it, it makes me think of, like, a cozy little village, all snow-covered, and it makes me think of someone kind of coming out, the winter's been rough, but now it's like, like you said, spring hasn't quite sprung yet, but the sunshine is starting to come around, and everything's starting to look beautiful, and you can see some blooms starting to pop their way out, or, you know, maybe some blossoms on the tree and you're kind of like you know what this was this is good this is good right here that song right there reminded me of the end of a Wes Anderson movie in particular the end of Rushmore that's the vibe I got out of that hmm. song you know it's just like that that and that's the vibe that's the end of winter vibe yeah kind of thing. That, they played the faces at the end of that song but it's like uh, then that movie but like that's kind of the the thing like hey we have rebirth here like we went through this dark cave together we're mm. on the other side and uh even though we're not necessarily out of the cave we're getting towards the rebirth yeah you know? and and there's something to me about like putting it here on the list and putting it towards the end of the list like it feels like a, the, to me it evokes a bit of an appreciation of like you know what it got dark there was times when it was stormy there were times when it was cold but you know there was also you know a, a, something worthwhile in it and it had its own and recognizing like that it it was a part of the process and it's it's a part of the cycle and there's something beautiful in that if I have to throw out my favorite quote once more, I will. A voyage is not in seeking new lands, but seeing the world with new eyes, right? Sure. We're on the other side of it, and let's think about the lessons we have seen and came up with by getting there. It's, exactly. it's not the fact that we're trying to get to just the next spring, but also, like, we've changed There's a feeling by of, this winter. And let's appreciate that for a moment. There's a feeling of reflection right. in it. Mm-hmm. To seeing me. the world with new eyes. Exactly, yeah. Looking, looking at it and being like, okay, what have we gotten out what have we learned out of this and what have we learned to appreciate about this um, so there's a feeling of that to me and also it gets it's on my list is the something that really kind of gets a little bit of that cozy feel to me oh yeah um, no it's got a it's got a real sentimental cozy feel about it but I think like I said the end of a Wes Anderson movie feel mm-hmm. about it like I think there really is that the like um, rebirth and rejuvenation and like reflection was a really mm-hmm. good word used for it but I think there's also like a um, a little bit of a feel of like the 
Joseph Campbell hero's journey mm-hmm. of like being a master of two worlds. I went through the darkness. Now I can come into the normal world and be master of both. I can kind of come on the scene now and now that I've gone through all those trials and tribulations, now I can come out on the other side and have an appreciation not only for what is there but also what I went through. Um, and then that brings us to the final selection. So that is Beirut is the name of the band. Scenic World is the name of the song. Uh, I think it's off of an EP, I believe. Yeah, like, I fucking love Beirut. Like, how do I not know this song? Um, I'm pretty sure it's off an EP, like a three-song EP or something. Whatever we were saying about the last song, like, let's just double it for that. (laughs) Exactly. Right? It's like, whatever the sentiment was there, just, like, doubles and just is more uh, potent with that song of the reflection master of two worlds all that kind of stuff and I put it as the last song on there because I feel like it it really feels like the end of the journey like the the last song the low song was the coming out of the cave and seeing seeing this this scenario seeing the scene getting the landscape and seeing like all right, here's we've been through the and this there's almost a celebratory feel to it but it also has kind of a a low key kind of and uh, delicacy to it and a starkness to it, a simplicity to it that feels kind of wintry. And it, it feels to me like it's like it's right about to be spring. And this song is like, all right, let's celebrate winter. Now that we've gone through the winter, let's celebrate it for what it was and where it where it brought us to. You know, let's, take a moment to reflect before we get to spring. Let's send winter off with a with a bang. Right. You know, and really give it its due. Uh, as you like to say, give it its flowers. It feels like it 
it, that song to me feels like the nice wrap up to the winter mix because it's it's uh it's like okay it wasn't always easy but let's give winter its flowers it, you know really appreciate the place it plays in this whole cycle in this whole crazy cycle and what it what it really did give to us so I like I like ending on that little bit of that celebratory note but that still feels a little little wintry and it's again that kind of delicate fragile a little bit of that delicate fragileness to it that still has that winter feel like this feels like last day of winter to me it's so funny to me because I feel like there's a real yin and yang in our list where it's like I feel like I start off on that sweet note mm-hmm. with the Fleet Fox and like all that and then going, going towards you know you got Etta James and like it's like that's the spot I begin with and then I work towards maybe the more weird stuff or mm-hmm. whatever then like you went the opposite way with it where like yeah. you started off dark and weird the dark and weird but then went to the eventual like really sweet and mm-hmm. like oh let's uh, remember for what it was and uh dude yeah I, I love Baber so I'm never gonna criticize it I'm like I said shocked that I don't have that song yeah. on my own playlist and don't have it as a, a thing to put into my stuff but um was really confounded just listening to it at the very beginning how like I said it was like oh everything we were just talking about this is doing it to the umpteenth degree mm-hmm. like maybe I, I came in too early with my take here yeah <laughs> because obviously this is one that's doing it real and um well that the one before it I feel like is the transition bet- great closer though uh, a transition between you know it's still got a little bit of what the previous song the bright eyes song right was bringing to it and then Lowe's kind of this transition point and then it's like we were talking about all that kind of like you know the journey's over and let's reflect on it and appreciate it that all goes for full bore Al Gore with the Beirut song Beirut so that that's the point where it's we're all in with this yeah and um Fugelhorn Flugelhorn was that accordion or was that I believe it's got accordion on it yeah yes right but like also daunting like the combination of those and the way Beirut does it it's it's pretty astounding you wouldn't picture those instruments if you just set it on a list like it it is its own thing yeah you know and um I guess like even more so to to point out like winter and that kind of stuff it's like you, you never know like who would have thought that those two instruments together would encapsulate what it does but once you hear it it's like how could you think any two instruments couldn't do that like how could you how could yeah. it how, how could it be that it didn't do that you know it's like uh yeah extraordinary so yeah that's my winter mix
Love it. Although I do gotta say, oh, I do gotta say, I, I ended up. I I thought about it. I thought about it, and I was hoping maybe you had it on yours because it also feels weird to talk about winter and winter being coming. If you say all over my face, I will fucking slap you. Um, <laughs> I was this close. <laughs> feels a little weird. We didn't have this anywhere on the lists. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast is a Gadzooks and Nerd production. That's Gadzooks, G-A-D-Z-O-O-K-S. Find us on the web at gadzooksandnerd.com slash meow. Yes, meow. M-E-O-W. If you liked the music, you can find more at gadzooksandnerd.com slash fields. That's fields, F-I-E-L-D-S. The Nerd Obscurial Podcast and its contents are, except for the steal this joke joke, the wholly owned and copyrighted property of Gadzooks and Nerd. So don't go stealing any of it, except, of course, for the steal this joke joke, or we'll have to sick big pretzel on you. Any works, products, content, Concepts or otherwise intellectual property not owned by Gadzooks and Nerd, mentioned or discussed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast, are done so under fair use for the purposes of commentary, critique, and obviously comedy. So please don't sue us because we can't actually sick big pretzel on anyone. The views, ideas, opinions, and beliefs expressed in the Nerd Obscurial podcast are solely those of its creator and your esteemed host, Eric the Troubadour, and do not represent the views, opinions, or beliefs of any individual or entity named, referenced, or alluded to in this podcast, including but not limited to Martin Scorsese, Leonard Nimoy, The Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and its parent companies, The Buggles, me, The Oklahoma Kid, The Jonas Brothers and their parent companies, Seth Green, Idina Menzel, my wife and her parent companies, The Great State of Oklahoma, and of course, all cats everywhere on the internet. Hail Cthulhu. <laughs>